Today's podcast is brought to you by something positive for a change. Why? Because my parents are here. Welcome to Down with Joe DeRosa. One topic, one hour, and today we discuss family. Family has always been such a strange and sacred concept to me. Strange because it's a group of people that you're literally born into, so it's a lifelong commitment. Anytime you're born into something, it means for life, tribes, royalty, or a five-decade-spanning carpet-cleaning business, you belong to it, and it belongs to you, so you can't shake it. You're stuck with your family, whether you like it or not. And trust me on that, they'll always be with you in body and or spirit. Even the people that do their absolute damnedest to cut all ties and kill all contact with their family are still often burdened by the mountainous emotional baggage they carry from their past. Nobody ever thinks about that one degrading boss they had at some office job. You know, the one that pinched your ass and didn't get in trouble for it. That's a fading memory. People barely remember their high school sweetheart or that she dumped you for that football player you couldn't stand. Nope, that's gone from your mind. And nobody ever pays any thought to that past asshole neighbor, you know, the guy that broke one of your windows and then moved away without ever paying for it. Nope, not thinking about it. But none of us will ever forget that thing that our dad or our mom or our aunt or our nana or whoever said at Thanksgiving in 1983 that made us feel so angry and so insecure, it still fuels our every motivation to find success. That's weird. Family sticks with you. But that's what makes it so incredibly sacred to me. I think primarily because I'm adopted. That's why I find it so sacred. Anytime you realize that you came damn close to living out your days in a trash can at a prom or in a dumpster behind a crab shack or maybe just on the insides of a medical vacuum cleaner, you start to greatly appreciate the fact that there were people that not only loved you but actually raised and supported you as well. I know I wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't for the push my parents and my cousins, and my grandparents, and my aunts, and my uncles gave me. My friends, too. Yeah, they're family. So I guess it's not always something you're born into. Family's something that's perpetually expanding, with new members joining the alumni all the time. Because I don't subscribe to all that blood is thicker than water bullshit. I can't. I literally have no common blood with anybody I know or love. That's one of the stipulations of being adopted. But I don't care. Because I know guys I met in comedy clubs within the last three years that I take a bullet for. And I have cousins, on the other hand, that I've known since I was zero that I wouldn't let in my house if it was raining outside. So it all evens out. And that's what family's for. Keeping you even. Keeping you sane when nothing in the world has any rationale or logic. They're the people that are there for you. And that's why they're the people that haunt you. Because only someone that truly cares about you and understands you knows exactly how to get into your head and start pushing all the right buttons. So, I'd like to now introduce the most topic-appropriate guests we have ever had on this show, my parents. And I usually like to list off my guests' credits uh, when I introduce them, but how do you list off your parents' credits without it sounding like some kind of cold but factual Wikipedia entry? So, I'll just simply say these are two people... Uh, that I don't know how I'd live or function without. They've taught me everything I know. They've inspired me beyond belief. And in my darkest and unlikable moments, I'm talking most unlikable moments, they loved me unconditionally. So the next time one of you angry audience members wants to heckle me because you can't believe my audacity on stage, don't blame me. Blame them. It's their fault for causing me to believe in myself. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. How you doing? Good. Sweating. You, Sweating. you kind yeah. of started off with a, a oxymoron when you said that this was a positive feed today and the subject is family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, you're comfortable already. You thought you were going to be nervous. Yeah. Good. Yeah, mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. I am. Easy. This is easy stuff. <laughs> Just talking. Well, I, I'm glad you said that because... This is a thing that I deal with when I talk to people. I say, a lot of people say to me, you're negative. I say, I'm not negative. I just, you know, I just see things how I see them and then react to them. 
in what I think is an honest way to react. And they say, well, it's negative. I say, it's not negative. It's just I prefer to think of it as just seeing things for the actual way they are. But it's we, negative. We, that's, <laughs> that's where we come from. I mean, we grew up in a very honest household is what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. I mean, we. I think yeah. a lot of people would say we... What, we fight, we argue. Sure, well, definitely we fight, we argue. Well, yeah. first of all, we <laughs> have. Like, you know. First of all, I guess we have to explain that we're an Italian family. Yeah, so that, we are. That should uh, answer a lot of uh, <laughs> questions. You know, we. Yeah, it's an Italian family, <laughs> very loud family, mm-hmm. right? A lot goes on, a lot of hot feelings. You know, a lot of heavy feelings that uh, bring out the worst sometimes. You know, and right. cause arguments, right? But we said, Daryl, I think it was about a year ago. We got into some fight about something, and I said to you after, I said, you know what? We have these arguments, and then we have these big makeup sessions where we say, right. we, we got to change, we got to stop, right. <laughs> the whole thing. And then I said, this is just how we are. It's not a big deal. It's how we talk to each other. We get through it. Nobody ever says, I mean, I'm not saying we don't ever hurt each other when we argue. All people do. Verbally, but, yeah, but yeah, verbally, verbally yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's beating, no, <laughs> beating <anybody. laughs> no physical abuse. <laughs> but I mean, there's no name calling or, and stuff like right. that. It's just loud and abrasive, mm-hmm. and that's why I said yes. to you like about a year ago, maybe this is just how we are. I'd rather it be that way than I mean, these people I see that are always oh, yeah. smiling and getting along. They freak me out. I don't understand that. No. They push everything under the rug. They, you know, they, they have to be they honest up. with yeah. each other, right? Right. Yeah. So, like I said, as much as we argue and, and maybe fight back and forth, that we always make up in the end and, and try to get back on the track again, you know, right. and, and never have any hurt feelings or resentments or hold grudges with each other. We're always, you know, very loving when it, at the end, you know, a makeup session, you know. I th- I think the most important thing of that is that we come to understand each other better and respect each other. Yes, I agree. I agree. You I know? grow from yeah. that. Yes. You're, yeah. you're, yeah. I talk to my friends about their parents a lot and they never understand when I say that I challenge my parents back. Mm-hmm. They say, what do you mean? My, you know, cause they'll complain about their parents. They'll say, oh, they're just, just how they are and I can't deal with it. And so I just don't, and I say, well, why don't you just challenge them the mm-hmm. way they challenge you? Mm-hmm. They love you. So they challenge you. If mm-hmm. they think you're not being the person you should be, you should challenge your parents back. And I always like that. The three of us had that dynamic mm-hmm. where you guys pushed me, and I I feel like I maybe pushed you back. You know, right? You know, there's certain and, things. I think mean, mm-hmm. that we were watching. I mean, we watched Dave Attell the other night on HBO, and you were laughing hysterically. I mean, there was a time where if I showed you any kind of comedy of that content, you would have said, "Shut this oh, yeah. off. This offends me." Turn right. it off. And you yeah. had a great time mm-hmm. watching it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that's that's what I brought to the table, Ernie, with my parents. What I. <laughs> I got them to like David Tell's comedy. <laughs> they shaped me into a man, and I got them to like. But he is the great, the greatest. So, but, you, you know. but I mean, you made us grow right. through that yeah. too. We came out of our shells, and uh, you know, someone once said, "It's not when I see you on stage. It's not what you do. It's who you are." Okay, and there are things that. You know, make my hair curl when I hear you on stage. But yeah, then I think that's you know. You remember? Hey, he's a great yeah. guy. What can I do? You mm-hmm. came to see years ago. I opened for Colin Quinn at mm-hmm. Helium, and uh, I remember at the time I was closing with a really, really nasty <laughs> joke. It was real dirty sex joke. And uh, did you hear me gasp in the audience? <laughs> I don't, I remember, well, this is what I remember. I walked off stage. I went to the green room and I said, man, I feel bad about that last closer. It's just so dirty. And my parents are sitting out there. And Colin said, screw your parents. What about me? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember after that show, you guys came up to me and said uh, that you had a great time. And, and you were with your your best friends. And they said, they said I remember uh, Mr. Marcello, who's, you and you know the Marcellos are your best friends. They are, yes. Uh, but Mr. Marcello came up to me and said there was nothing wrong with anything you said up there. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. that's a big moment well, for a comedian with his parents and his parents' friends when yeah. they say it's okay. We accepted it. 
If that's true, how come they never came to see you again? They did. Uh, they, they did. did yeah. They came. They came okay. again. Yeah. They there again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they came another time when, without was, you guys. I think you guys were living in Florida mm. or something. Oh wow! And uh, you, I don't remember. Maybe you, I don't know. You we weren't there. Probably though. were in Florida. They came. They came alone and sat right in the front row. And again, we're really supportive. But that's, you know, an extension of you guys. Mm-hmm. Because you know? they know they know who you are deep inside. They know the the man that you are and the good person you are inside. And this is part of your your talent that you can make people laugh, you know. And it's the way you do it, you know. And it's really a good thing. Well, thanks. So, you know, I should bring you yeah. on stage before every show to tell the people I'm a good person. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, and and we uh, this is the thing I want to, you know, translate to the audience before we get too deep into this. My parents and I come from very, we have very different outlooks on things. You know, I come from a very religious family. My dad uh, is a deacon yes. in the Catholic Church, which mm-hmm. for those that don't understand or realize what that is, it's one step below priest, literally one yeah. step below priest. In fact, Dad, you've said yes. to me before, um, if mom passed away, you would consider going all the way and becoming a priest. You've said that to me. Which yeah. you're right there. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you do or not, whatever. Another but that's thing. just how close you are to it that you could go one couple more steps, and you're right there. We could, yes, theoretically, theoretically right? Theoretically, yes. Uh, my mom is also religious. Uh, was a Eucharistic minister, which means she's one of the people that would give out the communion in the church, body of Christ, that sort of thing, and uh, also pretty religious. Um, you're you've been married for forty. Four years. Friday it was, right? Mm-hmm. Friday, 44 yeah. years, yes. 44 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you were each other's first loves. First. Basically, right? Uh, Dad was your second. Mine. <laughs> your first love. <laughs> she was my first love, yeah. Your first love. Right, yeah. right. And then you had a boyfriend before Dad. Yeah. But only one, right? One. So, you know, <laughs> you're, you're pretty... This is, this is pretty much the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. So... Here you are, two religious people mm-hmm. had basically the same, prof- stayed in the same profession your whole lives. Very routine, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, ba- oh, basically the same age, about a year apart, not even, right? I robbed the cradle. Yeah, mom's six yeah. months older. Yeah. Six months older, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, very traditional background and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, obviously I'm not a big believer when it comes to faith and, and God and that sort of thing. I'm not a religious mm-hmm. guy by any stretch. Uh, I don't date age-appropriate women most of the time. Uh, I usually date younger, legally younger, <laughs> younger. Uh, you know, and uh, and I've never been married or in love for, or in a long-term monogamous thing. So right off the bat, we're very different people. And then also my career path. Mm-hmm. You know, Dad, you worked at how long were you at your your job for? Thirty-seven years. Thirty-seven yeah. years. Mm-hmm. At, it was a company, Sperry Univac, mm-hmm. that created the first computer. That's always a fun fact to tell people. It My is. dad worked at the company, mm-hmm. created the first computer, right? Right. And uh, you, 37 years. And mom, how long were you doing administrative stuff uh, for? I mean. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's all I ever did. You know, the only time I ever took off from work from high school was when you were born. And uh, I stayed home to raise you. Right, and then when you went into eighth grade, I figured I could trust you enough to leave you on your own, <laughs> and that's when I went back to work. Right, and I've been working ever since as administrative assistant. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it was always administrative. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I've had a career path that zigzagged all over the. I mean, before I even did comedy, I had eight hundred different jobs and fired from a couple of them. Right, mm-hmm. so my mm-hmm. point is, is I say this: here we are, very different people. Mm-hmm. Which I think is great. I think it's great because I think a lot of the time when the, the contrast is so great between what the children do and what the parents do, there's fallout. You know, I say that about a lot of people that live out here in L.A. I say these people come out here because a mm-hmm. lot of them ha- don't care that they're across the country from their parents. You know, there's a level of selfishness out here where they say, I don't care about my family anymore. I just care about me. Mm. Why don't you care about your family? Well, they're, you know, they don't get it and they're different from me and they don't understand I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the challenge of the contrast. I enjoy that we come from different places. And I also enjoy that it doesn't shut us down with one another. That we can have mm-hmm. these big debates about lifestyle choices and, 
and and whatever road mm-hmm. one, any one of us is going down and agree or disagree or whatever it is, right? right. And it's not always that mm-hmm. you two against me or me against you two. No. Sometimes me and mom disagree with you. Right. Sometimes you and me disagree with mom. Right. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's healthy. I don't think you see enough of that anymore. I think people, people kind of want it to be, like I said earlier, the tribe, you know? Mm-hmm. You want everybody to kind of do the same thing. Yeah, get mm-hmm. together, be be one, you know, be everybody be unified together and... You can't do that in a family. You can be a family, but yet you still have your diversity, you know? And it's that diversity that brings commonality between the people of the family. Right. right. Well, and that's a philosophy that you've always brought. Because right. my dad, as I said, is a deacon in the church, which means on Sundays he does preach. Yes, I do. Uh, he'll do, uh, he'll do. it's called the homily in the yes. Catholic Mass. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I always like, that you bring, I feel, a broader perspective to that. You bring, you know, what you just said, you know, it's a broad perspective, mm-hmm. yeah. especially in a lot of church environments where the concept is usually these are the rules and that's it. Right. And I like mm-hmm. that you bring these sort of broader life philosophies into it. Try to bring, a, you know, make people feel alive in their faith and, and, and lead them in the right direction, you know. Um, that's a difficult thing to do, but um, you can see it, you know, as, as you go on, as you do preach, you do talk, okay, about God and, and religion and our religion, how people come to you, okay? And they say, wow, I never thought about it that way before. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it this way before. Mm-hmm. You made something come real to me. You made it come alive to me, mm-hmm. you know? And I never thought like that before. Right. So there is something, you know, that you do, and people see for it. You know, they, they get excited, and their, and their religion grows. You know, their faith grows in their religion. You know, so it's a good thing. Which is a goal. It's a goal. It's a good goal. Well, yeah, yeah. and that's that's this. Similar to the goal we're talking about with family, right? When you know, when you broaden up the perspective a bit, and it then invites more people in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or more types yeah. of people, more types of thinking, mm-hmm. and it inspires everybody to grow. Us knocking heads with things never uh, uh, wanted me to to shut it down. It inspired me to to yeah. try to understand. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Grow as a person too. We never want to confine mm-hmm. you, right? We always said, let him go and let's try to find your way, you know. And, you know, we tried to raise you in the Catholic faith for what we sent you to 12 years of school. And we said to mom, mom and I said to each other, once we get into this point, and I try to tell other people the same way too, that their children have to, once they get to a certain age, have to find their own way in life, you know. And you try to lead them and guide them. You hope they'll grow that way. But if they go a little off, okay, fine. You have to let them go. Let them grow, you know. People can't believe that when I tell them that you've yeah. said that to me. Yeah. I'll say, my dad's a deacon. They'll go, oh, my God. I'll say, no, no, it's not what you think. He's, you know, I, I would define it as righteous. Mm-hmm. But I still pray for you every day. Well, I know you do. <laughs> but that's okay. We both, we both do, yes. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, you you know, that's that's your that's what we that's your belief. Yeah. So that's fine. I don't, I'm not offended by that. We pray for your well-being, you know, and, and that you keep, that the Lord will keep you safe and healthy and you know, and that you keep finding your way and you keep making a living at whatever you're going to choose to do. Right. Right? Well, but yeah. what I'm telling when I tell people, though, I say yeah. my parents are religious, my dad's a deacon, and they've said to me, find your own way. This is our way. It doesn't have to be yours. They're, they can't believe it. Mm-hmm. They can't mm-hmm. be because, because people that, I don't know, I guess, I, guess, I guess just traditionally people that come from a certain religious perspective don't think that way. You know what I mean? And say, no, this is the right way that we're doing, and you have to do it this way too. We did a podcast two weeks ago about morality, and that was the whole discussion was, you know, I know what's right and wrong in my life, but does that mean I'm allowed to apply that to other people? And that's why morality mm-hmm. is so tough and such a right. such a complicated issue because I don't think I'm right to tell other people how to live, but if I don't mm-hmm. think I'm supposed to be telling other people how to live, then what worth does my morality really have? You see what I'm saying? Right. But... That all being said, it's the same thing with this religious stuff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's astounding that you guys are so religious yet condone the other way. I really mm-hmm. do. Well, honestly. we've we've brought you up uh, being taught right from wrong. Right. And um, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not just saying this because you're here in front of me, but you have grown up to be a very um, great human being. You well, it's arguable. No, you. I mean, you. You <laughs> put you on stage too. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> you care for people, okay, and that's the most important thing. I think to, to let you grow as a human being, you know, no matter. We try to lead you in the right direction, but at a certain point, you have to find your own way. 
Okay. You know, you go, if you want to continue in this vein with the way we've taught you, fine. But if you want to go a little bit this way to it, you know, you've got to find your own way with your own uh, personality with, with God. You know, how you relate with God your own way. Okay. Well, I always appreciate it yeah, too, yeah. though, that you said to that you, you know, you and mom have said to me, we found our way. You have to find yours. Mm-hmm. You go on your path and whatever, whatever works for you is whatever works for you. I tell that to people. They, they're in disbelief right. uh, because, you know, they know your background as religious people and everything. And honestly, the fact that you give me that blessing, you know, you just said with God, mm-hmm. you know that I kind of move without God mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and you still aren't pointing a finger at me and saying right. you're going to burn in hell or anything no. like that. Mm-hmm. Which, and you know, we don't want to get too into the religious stuff. Yeah, it's not about religion. It's mm-hmm. about the fact that I find you to be too open-minded and accepting people. Open-minded. You know yes. what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. so and that's great, even though we have such different right. beliefs about things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but look, it's not all perfect. We do argue, as we said before, mm-hmm. and I think. You, mom, came from a loud, very loud family. Back, yeah, yeah. What yes. was it like day to day? Was it always? It was horrible. I was not. I, you know, I, even though I was born and raised in that family, for some reason that just did not uh, click with me. Right. And that was one of the things that really attracted me to your father was his quietness. Right. Okay, because. We, I mean, it was not only loud um, positively, but it was loud negatively too. Right. A lot of, you know, verbal abuse. Um, right. You know, there was, I mean, I don't know if I could say this, but there was some physical abuse. You could say that. Okay. And uh, so I was, uh, you know, my brother, my brother and I, um, I don't want to, I don't know the words to use, but we were very, we were brought up in a very negative way. I remember because your father, Pop-Pop, as I call him, he lived with us for the first, I don't know, what was six years of my life or yes, something like that? Yes, yes. Till I was in second grade. Yeah. And I remember the way you guys used to fight. Yeah. I remember the way he would yell about dad. Yeah. And I remember the way he would be. Which was tough because when you're a kid, you idolize your grandfather. Right. And I remember you saying to me sometimes, you don't understand. Right. You don't understand what, when you're older, you'll understand. Yeah. Now I'm older and I do understand. Right. And I, and to bring that situation into the house, I think if I had to do it all over again, I don't know if I would, but being brought up as um, an Italian child who was taught to respect and honor their parents. Right. Um, as you know, Papa had cancer, and uh, it was my duty. I thought at the time that it was my duty to take care of him as his only daughter, no matter what the um, repercussions would have been. Okay, with him coming in to live with us. And do you feel like there were permanent repercussions from him living with you? Would he would living he with the family? I mean, do you feel like to this day you say? Had he not lived with us, I wouldn't feel this certain way right now at yeah, this time definitely. or whatever. It was it was an all affecting thing. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, look definitely at look was. at the house that we lived in. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I have no good memories in that house. The blue house that we yes, used to live in. Yeah, I have house. no good memories in that house, mm-hmm. and I had no problem moving from it because of the situation that was in the house at the time. You know, it's okay. funny because I grew up in that house. Mm-hmm. I just watched that Billy Crystal um, 700 Sunday special on HBO where it's the backdrop on the stage is that is a facade of the house he grew up in. And he talks the whole shows about that house and and what he experienced in it and everything. And uh, now that we're talking about this, I could, I couldn't write a one man show about that house if you paid, paid me a million dollars to do it. I don't have any good memories. I don't I'm not saying I have bad memories, but uh, maybe. They are mm-hmm. suppressed bad memories, mm-hmm. but I don't think back and, and long for that house. In fact, I associate it with a great amount of depression. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my memories of that house are very gray. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't imagine a lot of sunny times, literally sunny. Like when I think of it, I don't picture sunny weather. Right. I picture gloomy, <clears throat> the trees being dead. Uh, I say to people all the time, I remember as early as being in third grade, 
not having the words or understanding or knowledge to 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 realize what I was feeling at mm-hmm. the time. Um, later, I realized what I was feeling was I need to get out of here. I, I want to go explore other cities or places or whatever. Um, but at the time, I didn't know what it was, and I remember as young, literally as young as third grade, sitting out on that lawn on the side of the house and just thinking, just feeling hopeless, mm-hmm. hopeless because of the you know the situation, you know, yeah. and know, was, and yeah, again it was, it was tense, and again to back up to what we were saying about fighting and and loving each other and everything. I I loved my father with all my heart, right. I really did. I you know unfortunately he has passed away. And I still do, but um, it's hard to love somebody who gives you that kind of stuff in your life, you know, but you do love them. I love them, you know. We talked about this on, I was on a radio thing and we talked about, we were talking about anger management and that sort of stuff. And I talked a lot about Papa. And I said, uh, I said, when I got older into my 20s, I started to realize that with my temper, I was going down a road that I saw my grandfather go down. And I knew that that was bad because my grandfather died without a friend. And I always tell that mm-hmm. story about when uh, he was friends with Sam, the janitor from my mm-hmm. grade school, and they would fish together. They were fishing friends, and then Sam brought him the fish, and Pop-Up was like, these fish are lousy. Why would you bring me these? He said, well, I caught them. I thought you want some. He said, I don't want them. This is crap, whatever. And then Sam said, forget it, and walked off, and they never spoke again. And that was literally his last friend. Mm-hmm. And he died a year later or whatever it was. Pop-up mm-hmm. died a year later. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that's, the, the, for the audience, that's the kind of person. He really liked to sh- push people away, which, you know, it's funny because in this day and age, if you met somebody like that, <laughs> there'd be all kinds of therapy studies and and psychological things you could discuss and say well you're suppressing this and you're running from that and you're afraid of this but back then some italian immigrant you know what i mean yeah that came over here in the in the what what year did he come here he was born here he was i thought he immigrated here no no he was born here he was the last father came here yeah yeah he was the last he was the last of the 10 kids to be born here most of his brothers and sisters were born in Italy and came over. Okay. Yeah. So, but he was he was born here. Coming from a family of immigrants. Right. Right. Um, I and, mean, he didn't speak English till he was in his teens. Right. You know. So. I mean, that was the way back then. There was yeah. no discussing anything, especially no. with a man. Yeah. It was just yeah. you push it deep down. I always say that's why marriages lasted in the. You know, people go marriage, marriage, marriage. It was like, well, marriage lasts in the fifties because you shoved everything down. You know what I mean? If you caught your husband banging his best guy friend, you know what I mean? He'd be like, you, you tell anybody about this, I'll kill you. And then the wife would go, all right, I'll just go make brownies. And that'd be, <laughs> just keep going. You know what I mean? That was it. We, but like, you know, nowadays it's a different, I always wonder what Papa would have been like if he lived now, you know? Yeah. Oh, same upbringing, but if he lived now, he might be a little different. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Possibly. But here's what's so interesting to me. You come from this background. Both of you are very affectionate people. You're very loving people, mm-hmm. um, which is not that strange for a mom. It's a little more odd for a dad to be affectionate and sensitive, but you are, Dad. Yeah. You know, a lot of my guy mm-hmm. friends, especially the guys from Boston, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they they say they can't believe that, like, oh, you hug you hug your dad? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I say, well, it's funny you say that. The only reason I hug my dad every time I see him is because he came from a family where his dad never hugged him. Right. When he went off to Vietnam, his dad shook his hand and said, yeah. come back safe, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so... See you soon and have a good, you know... <laughs> yeah, have a good time. Safe, have a good, have right. a good time. Yeah. Said, hey, just be safe, you know, he says, and keep well. You know, shook my hand, said, I'll see you. <clears throat> and that's where you came from. Your family, mm-hmm. your upbringing wasn't loud at all. It was right. painfully quiet. Mm-hmm. No, because Now, here's the thing. Mom comes from this loud... It's it's abusive. It's screaming. It's yelling. But you probably hugged and kissed your parents. Oh yeah, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Dad, you never once hugged. I mean, I didn't hug Granddad till he was literally unconscious on his deathbed. Well, I he did. was literally unconscious, dying. That was the first time I ever hugged him because he didn't know I was hugging him because I knew I was never going to see him again. I think it was when um, 
you know, the first time I gave him a hug and a kiss was when I was ordained, you know. And he was, I remember this, like he was wearing, in the church service, he was wearing a light gray suit. And he had all these, like, marks on where his tears were staining his jacket, you know. And I gave him a hug and a kiss, you know. And from that time on, I, every time I saw him, I gave him a hug and a kiss. You know, and I realized he was my father, and I have to, that's that's the way you should treat your father, with, with love and respect, right. you know. And that's why I try to do it to you, you know, to give you a hug and a kiss every time right. we get together, we part, you know. Right. Um, so that's, I, I did that, you know. I never did that with our father, right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would have slapped you in the face. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> no. But my own father, yeah, I did that. And, you know, like you said, uh, he did come down with cancer and suffered a lot and it got down to the end. And, you know, um, I'm glad I did that because otherwise I would have missed that opportunity to show him the love I had for him. And it was, yeah. Fred, I was just going to say, with all this talk and everything, we we really should lighten this up a little bit and say that families are a lot of fun too. Oh, no, yeah. we'll get to that. You know? We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. We have to do the setup. This is the setup to me. This is where the fun comes. I mean, right from. now I feel like we're the Adams family, you know. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is this is great because this is where this is what lays the foundation for the good stuff. I, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, let me go but, back to the house a minute. All right. You know, with that house we're talking about, she hated it, right? Every time I drive by it, I miss it. Okay. Because of you know all the work I did in that house. Okay. Of course. And I think what it was is that all the arguments and stuff that was going on, the bad stuff, me being involved with doing things, you know, fixing things, all the work I did, took my mind off of that and gave me good feelings, right? Right. And helped me cover up the, the bad stuff, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and that's why I say every time I drive by now, I miss it, you know? It's just, what do you miss it for? There's so much, you know, terror and turmoil went on in there. You know, I said, well, because look at it, look at it. I can still see things I did. Yeah, you know? I know, I the can trees, imagine. Look at the little trees we put, they were this big, you know, six inches we planted, they're monster trees now, right? We did all that, you know, all the times we had. Riding a lawnmower together out back, right? You yeah, know? I know, I know. That's all the times I miss, you know? That's one yeah. of the good memories I have was yeah. cutting the grass there, yeah. was yeah. riding the riding mower. I always liked yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't want to make it sound yeah. like there's, you know, it's misery. Yeah, doing like cobwebs <laughs> on it, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had some good memories. I remember my tw- when I turned 21, Jim, we had a pool in the backyard mm-hmm. that actually Papa put in with his money that he to get rid of his money before he died. He gave us a pool. So he wasn't, you know, he did do nice things. I don't want to paint him out to just be a monster. But um, he, uh, we had that pool when I turned 21. I remember my friend Jim came over, and uh, we got so drunk that he passed out in the pool. I mean, thank God he's not dead. <laughs> but, so that's a good memory. Uh, we seeing him <laughs> pass down the pool. I thought that was funny. Uh, um, you know, but, uh, but uh, it, uh, with granddad, with your dad, dad, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought that was interesting because I remember I went to hug him once because everybody, your brother, my uncle John, mm-hmm. who's also gone now, sad, sadly. And so is your brother, mom, uncle Tony. I mean, so many people are yeah. gone, but anyway, he was also very affectionate. Mm-hmm. I always hugged and kissed uncle John every yeah. time I saw him. And again, I think that was his own retaliation mm-hmm. to his father, not, not doing that with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember once we were leaving Nana and Granddad's house, and I got up and just by you know habit, I I kissed and hugged Aunt Sammy, and I and I hugged and kissed Nana, and I hugged and kissed Uncle John, and then I just went to hug and kiss Granddad because I wasn't thinking, I guess, and uh, and he stopped me. He said, "No, no, 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 yeah. you don't do that. You do that with the women. You don't yeah. do that with the men." Yep. And uh, I said, "Okay." Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Literally, I never ever tried to hug him again until he was. He was on yeah. on his deathbed because I thought, I, this is it. I'm not going to see yeah, that. He again. never thought that was a manly thing to do. You know that that's you got That's the mentality that these guys were raised with. You know, right? In a, in a male dominated society that they grew up with, with their fathers and everything. You know, and uh, you know, I never saw them hug and kiss each other. You know, it's always with grandmoms. But uh, when we visited grandmom and grandpops, we always hugged and kissed grandpop. You know, as children. Did you, you know? ever? Now I also never saw. Mom, your mom died before I was born. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. way before, yeah. So I never saw a pop up with a woman at all. No. Uh, he was remarried. And then, yeah. What'd you say? Maybe that's what he needed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. 
Yeah, there weren't a lot of women in Collegeville, <laughs> Pennsylvania. That's one of the reasons I left. Uh, did you ever, but I never, so I never saw Pop-Up interact with a woman in that sense. Nana and Granddad were together for many years before oh, he right. passed away. I never saw them affectionate with each other. I never once saw Granddad and Nana holding hands. I never saw them kiss, hug. I mean, maybe if they took a picture, he put his arm around her. But I don't think yeah. I ever saw them be affected. Did you ever see them be like lovey-dovey or fun? Well, at the times, like with their anniversaries or something, I guess when they were dancing with one another, they would give uh, you know them a, a, a peck and a you know, kiss type of thing that way. But uh, no, not not at all. You know, no, yeah. no. So yeah. we did pretty good. We did do pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, because <laughs> from these backgrounds comes, as I already said, uh, uh, a retaliation. Mom, you say I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be abusive with my kids. I'm not going to. I'm not going to kick their dreams out. Because I remember that's you know one last thing about on your side of it. I remember you telling me. I tell people this story. They they're. I mean, they look like they're going to cry. I said my mom had tickets to see the Beatles, and her father wouldn't let her go. I mean, that's like. I mean, Jesus God, that's like meeting the president or something. You know what I mean? Like that's. Mm -hmm. That that breaks my heart to think about that. You know, he wouldn't let you travel. Nope. You were you wanted to go to yeah. Europe with your friends after yeah. college after, or high school. After graduation, all my girlfriends went took a trip to Europe, and no way was I allowed to go. No decent, no decent, respectable, respectable girl would do that. Yeah. That's how I was brought up. You were never that way with me. I was taking trips. Yeah. As young as fifteen, mm -hmm. I was. I would go away with my friends in the summertime because because. Mm -hmm. Uh, my my friend Scott that I grew up with was like two years older, so he was able to drive and stuff. And we would go, mm -hmm. we get in his car, we go down to Virginia Beach for the week. I mean, that's far when you're 15, you know? It's a seven-hour drive. It's not. How come we you, never knew about that? Yeah, that's the first time I'm hearing about this, too. <laughs> no, you, you would, no, I remember hearing about the uh, the wild horses and everything that you went to see down there in Virginia. The wild Which, horses? Yeah, the wild horses, the... Uh, there's a, there's a breed of horses that run wild down there in is that what we called it North Carolina yeah. or whatever was that the whiskey I don't know drinking? what the hell you're talking about <laughs> I don't remember that yeah but I mean sure. I I remember you always let me do that stuff you let me travel yeah. you uh, I mean you were always but I made you call me every day yeah you made me call you and everything <laughs> like that but yeah. I remember when I you know when I was in eleventh grade or twelfth grade or whatever and I said I want to being a band, you guys bought me a guitar. You bought me drums, drums. when I was in tenth grade. You bought me turntables and stuff yeah. when I was in eighth grade because I mm -hmm. got into rap music and everything. Uh, when I got into comedy, you were incredibly supportive about that. You know, never once did you say that's a stupid dream or, or you shouldn't do that or, or why don't you be like the like a decent kid? And there was none of that. Mm. Uh, you know and. <laughs> Couple times I said, "Can't you get a nine to five job?" <laughs> yeah, when I was asking for money. Yeah, right. yeah, that's understandable. And I understand. I mean, look, kidding aside, there were times where you said to me, "Why don't you get a job?" And there were times where I got mad at you about it. Mm -hmm. But in retrospect, I realized that wasn't you saying, "I don't believe in you." That's you saying, "I'm worried. Are you going to be okay?" Right. You know, right. are you? Do you have enough money? Right. Like, do you? You know, I just want you to be right. healthy and alive and yeah. whatever. Right. So I get that. Yeah. I get that. You know, but these are these are now the positives. We established what some of the negatives were. These are the positives that come from it. You mm -hmm. know, you re, you retaliated against what the things you didn't like. Right. And then you showed me a whole different side of things. You know, we were what I kind mean? of yeah forced in a direction to do things. You know. And, you know, with me, too, like granddad always said, you have to go to, you know, to college to be, become something. You, know, you have to do this. I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to go, like, to a trade school, be a carpenter, something like that. But granddad says, I have to go to college. Okay, fine. But that's why, you know, we wanted you to go to college. Fine, you chose to go to college. That was great, you know. And You didn't uh, explain the loans to me. Probably. <laughs> right, yeah, well, that was a, I just, I if you knew about I, that, you would have said forget it, right? No. I still remember when I graduated and I, my mom said, who do you think is going to pay these loans? I said, right. I thought you guys were paying. What are you talking about? Right. You said, what did you think you were signing at the bank every right. August? Yeah. I said, I don't know. I was high the whole time. 
Well, yeah, well, thank God you chose to go that way. So it gave you a good experience, gave you a good background for what you do now. Right. And uh, and you found your way. That's what we said. We let you go to find your way of doing things, okay? Right. And that's what, you know, we were forced into doing things. We didn't like that. So that's why we let you go mm-hmm. the way. <laughs> I, was yeah, not, you know. I was not offered college after high school. Because uh, my parents thought, no, girls don't go to college. Only the men do, and girls become nurses and teachers. That's it. Did your mom think that too, or did she just go with it because your dad? Oh, I th- I think she thought that too. I think she thought but that do you too, think... but not as as uh, um, deeply as my father did. You don't you know? think she thought it out of fear of your father? No, I don't think so. I no. think that that was just a way of thinking back then. Right, I understand. You know. And your dad yeah. pushed you to go to school. Do you think if yeah. if do you think if Nana and Granddad had a daughter, they would have pushed her to go to school? No, I don't think so. Do you think they would have forbade it? No, they wouldn't have done it. I think they would have let her do her own thing, go whichever way you want to go. Right. You know, I think they would have. She said she wanted to go to college. They would have let her go. She said she wanted to go. You know, become a cook or something. She, they would have let her go become a cook. Right. You know. Um, but I think for the boys, it was a different story. That we had to do certain things. They, you know, my father wanted to see his sons excel, something, you know. So that's why the the path went to college, you know, mm-hmm. to do the college route, you know. And he he himself did a lot of stuff, you know. Um, he graduated from uh, Drexel with a degree of electrical engineering. That wasn't enough. He went to uh, the Wharton School of Business, got a degree in accounting. So this was all like at nighttime. He did all this, right? <laughs> right. So you know and. This is what, so that's why he was, he said, the guys have to go this path, you know, have right. to go to college, have to learn, to right. do something and get a good profession, you know. Did you find yeah. that there were, and it, before I ask that, that's the thing that I love to think about and talk about was the sort of mentality of, you know, I only say the father because back then it was usually the father bringing home the bacon, right? Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, my mother never worked. No, right. Yeah. Mine. This is how it was, but the uh, I, I was talking to my friend Giannis Pappas, who's a really funny comic about this, and I said, you know, I said we're so entitled, we're so we were talking about comedy and you know the lifestyle of comedy, and you get off stage and you want to have a drink and then you want to chase after girls, you want to do this and what, and I said, yeah, it's terrible, we're so entitled, we think we deserve that stage high to keep going, so we get off stage and we try to prolong it for as long <laughs> as we can with booze or whatever it is. And I said, um, our fathers weren't entitled like that, you know? Our fathers, no. <laughs> I said, you know, I said, look, I, we were pretty broke at times when I was growing up. Uh, you know, I didn't know how broke we were. We had some sad Christmases, you know? There were definitely some mm-hmm. Christmases where you were just like, look, it's not going to be much in the tree this year. Other than that, I didn't know we were broke because you never showed that to me. Mm-hmm. And that came from your fathers and their mentality and everything it was like you don't let your kids see you sweat you don't let your family see you sweat you go to school at night you take the extra job you keep your mouth shut that's it and that's incredible to Mm -hmm. me because i wear my panic on my sleeve at all times Mm -hmm. and it's just a different it's it's you know i really think it's an entitlement that my generation and the younger ones all have that that the older generations didn't have you know there, there was a greater sense of duty back then yeah. You know, and it was, they were there to serve the family. That was their legacy. You know, we're all here to serve our careers and ourselves and family comes second to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. First, it's, I need to establish this and I need to establish me and I got to make this much money and I got to have this and I got to have that. And I can't settle down now because that's going to slow me down. Whereas back then it was, I'm going to have a family and then I'm going to figure out how to service them, you know, mm-hmm. after yeah. the fact, mm-hmm. which what I see now, it's like a three-people world. It's me, myself, and I. Right. You know, that's what I see right now. And it's this thing, like you just, I think, hit the nail on the head with this word entitlement. Everybody thinks they're entitled to something in this world. And, you know, you have to work for it. Okay? Right. You go to work for it. You have, somehow you have to work for all these things you want. You know? Right. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm so proud of you for what you're doing. And, you know, you're working for the things that you want. Well, that's stuff, nice, you know? yeah. but I don't get me yeah. wrong. I am entitled yeah. and I whine yeah. the whole time. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. I don't like that I do that. Yeah. You know, I have to sit here half the time and go, you know, what? Uh, I remember I, we, we were on, uh, I was on Opie and Anthony one day, 
and they had Ricky Gervais in as a guest. Now, he's obviously wildly successful. Um, so a lot of people would hear the story and say, well, of course he could say that. But I thought it was really profound when he, he, he talked about his father and he said, my father used to wake up at 7, or he used to wake up at 5 a.m. every day and he'd start work at 6 or 7 a.m. And he wouldn't come home till 7 p.m. I forget what he did in England, doc worker or, or bricklaying or something, real intensive labor, you know? And he said, and that was it. And he said he did that until he died. And that was it. That was his life. Uh, and he was a happy man. And he, he said, we mustn't ever complain. Look at what we're doing right now. We're in a radio station. We go on stage. We do this. We, we can't complain about it. And I'd really try to remember that. You know, uh, it's, you know, what am I complaining about? You know, it's, you know, I, this is what we're doing here is part of a job for me. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, it should be a crime. You know what I mean? But here we are. Yet mm -hmm. I still find ways to get pissed off about everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I think back to when I was a kid and you were working uh, 40 hours a week at UNIVAC and putting in overtime. And then there were times where you had a second job mm -hmm. at night. Yeah. And never once did you bitch. Yeah, well, at least to me. I mean, maybe to you. <laughs> yeah, to me a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> to make the ends meet, sure. But, you have to yeah, do some you have things, to. You know, when we were firm believers of the moms staying home raising the kids. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, what we could afford, we could. And what we couldn't, we didn't. Yeah, and I was well, so, you, but yeah. And also, mom, but with you too, you know, because you were a working mom. Yeah. Except for those few years or whatever, right? Yeah. You went and worked. And... You know, administrative assistant, it's not a glamorous position. Shit rolls downhill. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you have to digest a lot. You have to stomach a lot. You have to deal with a lot. I won't name the company or where and when. Thank you. But I remember you telling me once about like a sort of sexual harassment kind of thing where guys were being, there was a guy at your office that was being really inappropriate toward you and some of the other women that worked there. And that was before, this is pre-Clarence Thomas. There mm -hmm. was no... Mm -hmm. What'd you do? That was it. You just go, this asshole at work. That's right. what it was back then. Right. It wasn't a lawsuit. It was no. just, there's an asshole at work. No. Yeah. You know? And uh, and you dealt with that. And then I think of yeah. me and the guys I run around with in this entertainment business, and it's like, oh, this lady in the front row is looking at me sideways. I'll call her an asshole and get her kicked out of the show or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. there's no dealing with anything. Yeah. There's no swallowing yeah. anything. No. And when you are swallowing shit, you're getting these you know, paychecks to, 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 to work on a project or a TV show or, 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 or a corporate gig or whatever it is. Right. That's the kind of stuff we're complaining about. Oh, I got to do a corporate gig. They want me to not say fuck for 35 minutes. Can you believe this shit? That's what we're complaining about. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Whereas you're, you were sitting in an office and a guy's making like blowjob jokes to you and you're like, I can't believe I have to be here. Yeah, well, I can't I, walk away know. from this. No, but you, you, back then we could we could, you know, tell them off without somebody saying, "Oh, you know, she, she uh, <laughs> said something bad to her boss or something," you know. But we, you know, nobody thought about the women retaliating right. verbally. You know, it was okay to do that, and right. they just stopped. You know, right. I think I think today that the kids of today, uh -huh. okay, and back a little bit, not too far back, but back a little, a little bit past your age, okay? That they feel, the parents feel that if it's if they're not in a good situation, you change the situation, right. okay? And get them out of there. Right. You know, um, I, one of the jobs that I had, which I absolutely loved, was being a secretary in um, an elementary school. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. And if the kid, if the children were having problems with the teacher, the parents would come in and demand that the child be taken out of the class. <laughs> so they're teaching them if the situation is bad, you you'll get out of it. And I believe that relates to why the divorce rate is so high today, because it's a, they're in a bad situation instead of trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. They'd say, oh, "We'll just get out of it," you know. Yeah, I've been working on a, uh, I've been working on a new bit about that, about how you know I used to look at 
the current generation, sort of MTV, it's once again the MTV generation, strangely enough. Uh, and uh, I would look at them and I hated them because they were they were entitled and passive aggressive and they were pussies and this and that. And then I realized it's not your fault. Not your fault. It's your parents' fault. Your parents looked at you like they looked at the neighbor's car. It was something to do. It was another thing to obtain. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a it was a goal on the checklist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a status. Mm-hmm. It was a you know a point of status. And they got you. And then like everything else in their life, they didn't want to take care of it. They weren't prepared to take care of it. And they try to throw money at a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's all they do. Mm-hmm. There's a big fire. Throw money on it till it goes out. Right. And therefore, you got you got these kids that that have no concept of anything. They have no work ethic. They have no wherewithal. Yeah. I remember somebody telling me a story recently about they were on a writing job and a, and a girl, a very young girl that was hired, very young, uh, I think about 19, uh, was hired and she was 10 minutes late to a meeting and she walked in and said, sorry guys, I just, you know, sometimes you just doze off. And they said, they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? But that's like where a lot of people that in that age bracket are coming from now. Mm-hmm. Like there's no concept of discipline mm-hmm. because they never received any home. So it's not right. their fault. Right. You know, what eventually did, you got to figure it out. What did you know. I used to do to you when you left your lunch home? I don't remember. You went without lunch. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't remember <laughs> you ever bringing it to school. For no me. way. I no. also remember. That's how you teach responsibility. I'll tell you two things that I admire. The second one you're going to pull back on a little bit. But I'm telling you, it's something I'm happy about. The first is, I remember when I got I got picked on real bad when I was in seventh grade at the grade school I was in. There was a kid named Greg Murdoch, just a piece of shit of a human being, just one of the worst people. I mean, if he's still alive and not in prison, I'd be floored. I mean, just a horrible, horrible person, uh, even at that age, just bad seed. But I remember that kid picked on me so much i remember he would do things like he'd sw- he'd swing a metal folding chair right at my face and st- stop it an inch from my face and then go that's what i'd like to do to you i'd like to smash your fucking head in with this chair he'd say things like that. your seventh grade it was terrifying to me i would cry and say i want to be taken out of the school and you'd say no you're not going to run away from it you're not going to leave a whole school because of this one kid you're going to have to deal with this and i did I don't know how I did. I mean, I think I remember watching him get the shit kicked out of him <laughs> by two brothers that came to the school. It was one of the greatest ass kickings I've ever seen. He was such an arrogant prick. And these two twin brothers came and they said, Murdoch, we're here. F- <laughs> we're here for you. And he leaned in and he goes, I'll give you guys the first punch. <laughs> and he, On his cheek, he drew an X and he goes, X marks the spot. And he got to he got up to the P in spot <laughs> and they. <laughs> They just pump. I've never seen somebody get beaten this bad in my life. He was beaten so bad the nuns had to carry him off the schoolyard. His eyes were swollen shut. He was out of school for three days. Uh, and then he, he kind of calmed down after that. But you made me deal with it. That's one of the things I'm most uh, appreciative of from growing up. The second is, look, you, you, got, you got hit back then. It's not a secret. You got hit. Mm-hmm. Dad you used to smack me around good. Oh, yeah, you got hit. That's weak. You know? I got hit, so, you know. I remember I called mom a bitch yeah. once, <laughs> and you beat me with a stick. Oh, my God. You make it sound like <laughs> I deserved it. I deserved <laughs> it. That's what I'm saying. With a stick. He beat me with a stick. He was working in the basement. He was doing the table saw in the basement. I didn't think you could hear me because the table saw was going, and I called mom a bitch. And the table saw stopped. I don't know how you heard it. And you came up with a stick. It was a piece of wood you were cutting, and you were hitting me with the stick. I mean, you... maybe you should be thankful you didn't come up with the saw. Right. Yeah, thank God it was a table saw. But you beat the shit out of me when I would get out of line. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't bleeding or anything like that. I appreciate that. It taught me. It taught me to keep my mouth. I mean, I still got a big mouth. I still. You know, I still yell when I'm had a few drinks while I back out of the room, you know, because I don't know how to fight. But it it taught me discipline. It taught me to keep your mouth shut, that something can happen. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a lesson that most guys, I think, learn more from their older brothers. I didn't have older brothers, mm-hmm. you know. So I think the older brothers are usually the ones that kind of say, 
don't do that and keep keep your mouth shut then keep this in check and you better watch dad and whatever and they kind of pummel you a little bit you know what i mean well, we, we always believed that we, we need, made we all need... our mistakes on you yeah i don't think they were mistakes no. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny but i don't think they were mistakes. we never had another one to to figure out those mistakes you know? <laughs> I, you know i'm so appreciative <laughs> That I that I took some beatings. Well, I really what, am. We believe that when you deserve to get a smack or hit, you're going to get it. You know, do something wrong, and this is the way you, you know you learn from these things. You know, and you become better for it. I think you know. I see a lot of kids today. They're such wimps and things because oh, don't do that. You know, it's not right. Instead of giving them a good smack, you know, and so they, you know, where where are they? I don't know. It's just the thing that. Uh, I was thinking about the time. <laughs> I was thinking about the time we were riding in the car with your friend Dominic, uh -huh. and you were talking um, some stuff that I didn't like what you were saying. Uh -huh. And you had that tape in your hand. It was a CD. It was CD. the Ghetto Boys yeah. CD yeah. called "We Can't Be Stopped." Yeah. Right. And I told you to stop talking that way. Yeah. And what? What? You said, I'm going to throw that CD out the window. And they said, yeah, right. And you threw it out the window. Right. It's out on the high school one. <laughs> and I was upset because I stole that CD from the Sam Goody at the mall. Me my and my God. friend Kevin stole that CD. <laughs> and then I had to go. I don't know how I got a new copy. I think I had to wait till I had money to buy it. I have it still in the, in the other Do room. You? Yeah, I have, I have another copy of it. Now. I can remember Dominic's mouth opening. He was so shocked to see that I... Through the, the CD out the window. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a different. It was a different. Uh, it was a different time, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah. there are still pairs. And here's the thing: if I ever have kids, I don't know if I would smack them or not. I, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks, you know, at a certain age, a kid's kind of like a dog. Like it doesn't understand. It only understands action reaction. So if you don't, you know, a two year old, you don't slap it on the ass. So mm -hmm. then how's it going to understand that the things bad? Right. But I know there are a million studies and practices that say you don't have to do that anymore. So I don't know what I would do uh, if I had kids, if I would believe in, in giving them a little smack here and there or not. But I will say that I do uh, appreciate that I came from the era of getting the shit knocked out of you. Corporal punishment. <laughs> Corporal punishment. I mean, I was in Catholic school for 12 years. Uh -huh. I just barely missed when they could hit you we had a priest that would smack you in the back of the head with his class he would turn the class ring around he wore class ring on his left hand he would turn it around so the stone was on the inside on the palm side and he'd hit you in the back of the head if you weren't paying attention he'd come <laughs> up behind you and you couldn't do that now no. you couldn't do that no. now i had mm. nuns would drag you out of your seats i mean we i just barely missed mm -hmm. the corporal punishment uh, phase of of the Catholic schooling or whatever. So I mean, but the, the, I don't know. I thought it was fine. I mean, I guess now looking back, it maybe it wasn't. But yeah, if, they, I don't know. if the parents found out we did something wrong in school, we would get it double when we got home. That was it. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. like Mom was saying earlier, now the parents go to the school and say, "What's the problem with this teacher?" With mm -hmm. me, it was always, "What did you do?" That's right. right. Exactly. What did you do? <laughs> What did you do? I bet the one day you got suspended. I agreed with the nun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah, because I, I flipped my desk over in class. Yeah. And uh, and we got this. I always had a temper, Ernie. Yeah. What did we say? Good for you. Now you're out of school for a day. Right? Yeah. For a couple of days. You still got to do your homework, right? I never understood why that was a punishment. But tell the kid to stay home for a few days. I mean, that. Yeah, I know. Seemed like a great break. To more me. punishment on the parents today. <laughs> but uh, most of our most of our great times that we've ever had um, is with family. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Laughter, well, joking. You know. We we have we still have uh, a great family, but we had an even uh, greater family. We've lost a lot of people. Young but people. I mean, yeah, very young. You know, I always, you know. People, you know, we lost Uncle John at 59. Five. Five. 55? Yep. Mm -hmm. I think so. Uh, Aunt Enica was what, 54, five, six, somewhere in there? Uh, Uncle Tony was 62, five. maybe? 65? 65, yeah, 65. Yeah. I mean, these, this is all very young, yeah. you know? And, uh, I mean, Dad, we already said, you and mm -hmm. Uncle John 
came from the same family. Mm-hmm. He's one of the funniest people I ever knew. Oh, yeah. You know, was- c- comedy-wise, that's where I learned how to tell <clears throat> stories and stuff. Because I remember the way you was- and Uncle John would tell funny vacation stories yeah. at, like, when we get together for dinner or whatever, you guys would tell story. And I remember thinking, I this was a very early thought I had uh, as a teenager. If I could make uh, my uncle and my dad laugh, then I then I maybe might be truly a funny person. That was like mm-hmm. one of the first seeds I had with comedy. Because you guys told the stories and made everybody laugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then mom, I learned, you know, it was like I remember tons of memories about you know, like when the I was never a sports guy when the guys would go play watch sports football on Thanksgiving whatever it was I'd always sit in the room in the dining room with you and all the aunts and Aunt Sammy and everybody just sit around and talk mm-hmm. around the table mm-hmm. which you know can you believe I'm not gay I can't believe it uh, <laughs> but because that's what I like to do I like to talk with the women uh, you know and I mean to this day I have such an appreciation for the females in my life and my female friends. I have a lot of female friends. That, I think, really comes from that. I always really enjoy talking to women. I like talking to guys, I too. I know we could always talk, no matter what the subject absolutely, was. Absolutely. We always talked. Absolutely. And I always appreciated, too, the laughter. You guys, you know, you and Aunt Sammy and Aunt Joanne and Aunt Enica, there was always a lot of laughter, and that's good, you know? Mm-hmm. It's th- those are really really great memories. I I will say, you know, we talked about the bad memories in in the old house. I can't remember better memories than the holidays that we all spent together. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. very some good ones, fun, very loud. And we're still having them. We still are. Yeah, With the people who were yeah. still here, we're still having them. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always you know. You know, uh, Uncle Brian, who was Aunt Enica's husband, still here. Aunt Sammy, who was Uncle John's wife, still here. You know, Aunt Joanne, who was Uncle Tony. So, you know, we still have one half of mm-hmm. the equations. And, you know, so it's still great. But uh, but those are my best memories. It was it was always loud, always a lot of laughter. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, I, I would think when I started to want to be a comic, if I could make these people laugh like this, if I could make any people laugh like this, this would be it. You know, and then, but I would keep that all inside and never talk. You know, I was always so quiet. That's why when I started doing comedy, everybody said, What are you talking about? You don't ever say anything to anybody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're very introverted yeah. as a child. You kept it Very all in, introverted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then extroverted outside. I get very introverted mm-hmm. around the family still. I was had terrible discomfort about doing this today because I didn't know if I'd be able to get into like my podcast mode with you guys. Mm-hmm. Because it just, it's, I get weird with it. I don't know why. You know, I've never admitted well, that to you I before. I think it went well. It did. It went great. But, you know, it's, it's, easier, it's easier for me to do a show that you guys are at than it is for me to have sometimes a one-on-one discussion. Because there's, mm-hmm. there's a safety zone on stage where, you know, you can kind of get lost in it. We do always talk. I don't mean to make it sound like we don't. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, as much as I always in the early stages of comedy, wanted to make everybody laugh. I don't think I ever really tried to until they came to shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. I still wasn't the guy, you know, trying to run the table at, at Christmas time or anything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, I don't know. It's, for what it's worth, you inspired it in me, and then I hid it from you until you came, yeah. <laughs> you came to a show. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I appreciate you guys being here. Thank you. Well, Thank it was you. good to be here, be with you, you know, to do this. Yeah. We, we enjoyed it. You know, good. so it's, yeah, it's a good thing. We could do it and share our thoughts, our memories with you. It's great. You know, yeah. It's great. And it's here forever. Mm-hmm. It's, that's it. This exists forever now, right. which is to me the coolest part of all this. I say all the time, you know, we all miss Patrice mm-hmm. so much. We just, we, I don't think any of us can believe he's gone still. Um, and, one thing that I'm so thankful for is that all the years uh, and time he spent on radio, predominantly Opie and Anthony, um, it's all documented. It's all there on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I feel so privileged that I got to be part of some of those things. 
And it's really nice to, when you miss your friend, uh, to go on to a website and find hours and hours and hours of video or, and audio, too. Mostly audio. I mean, because we're talking about radio. But, and you can just listen to it. Mm-hmm. And you say, that's it. He's, he's here mm-hmm. forever. It's captured. Yeah. He's here uh, in, in at least in a certain interpretation. And I think that's what's so cool about doing these kinds of things. And that's why I'm so happy we got to do this. Because this is now here forever. Right. You know? Right. And that's memories. That's family that's memories. That's memories, yep. Yep. So that's thank you for us. doing it. You're, You're welcome. welcome. It was our yes. pleasure. Yeah. We usually have people plug things. Do you want to <laughs> <laughs> plug? Uh, next week I'll be appearing in the kitchen in <laughs> Collegeville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and no, we li- we're we're both retired now. We yeah. we live uh, boring lives. We're getting we're getting a new bumper sticker made. Next yeah, we're week. going to get a bumper sticker made. <laughs> says, it says I'm retired and I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> Good. All right. <laughs> you want to plug your church, Dan? Well, I belong to St. Eleanor Church in Collegeville, and you know it's it's a great church. Our pastor is uh, Monsignor Sweeney, mm-hmm. uh, a very good pastor for the church and the people of of uh, you know St. Eleanor's Parish, and we're doing great there. So we have a good good population. Yeah. Good. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. Hey, thank you. All right, bye, Joe.